You are now listening to episode number 17 of Twig's SE Reflections podcast series. My name's Anthony Twig Wheeler. I'm the creator and producer of this little program. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner and consultant, cultural animator. I'm keen on helping more people know about the value and possibility of feeling much better by having more appropriate contact with our psychobiology and how our bodies and brains are meant to work. People like Peter Levine and his work Somatic Experiencing and my mentor Stephen Hoskinson and his work Organic Intelligence and lots of other folks along the way have helped me and understand these things and I like to share some ideas along with you. I'm assuming you're an SE practitioner or another therapeutic professional and I hope you'll be welcome here. How about that for orientation? Let's take on something vastly more practical than I am likely to give most of the time on these SE reflections, simply because, hey, can't be exhaustive, and so if I can't be exhaustive, I take on little ideas that just are meant to spur you, me, along in our thinking. And it's true, I can't be exhaustive. So let me try and not be exhaustive with a very important subject, and it's where we place our attention particularly when we're hearing a story. So I'm going to narrow this conversation down a little bit and say, you know, there's this T-series, this time series, this T-sequence thing that we do sometimes. I think essentially everybody, most everybody who goes through the SE training eventually ends up hearing various different patterns that allow them to walk a person, a client, through a story, an event, Something that happened, had a beginning, a middle, and an end. It was a traumatic event. It was a challenging event. You can even do it with positive, really like, oh gosh, this was the greatest event ever. I remember one time spending a little bit of time, I didn't spend enough time, spending a little bit of time with Diane Poolheller. And she she said, you know, this is incredibly exquisite because it'll allow you to integrate highly positive experiences as well. And so, hey, it's cool. We don't only have to talk about stories on the traumatic side. We can also talk about stories on the, hey, this was really valuable, highly mm, positive experience. Peter has a nice little experiment where he says in one of, it, one of the questions, a time, a story, an event, an experience in your life in which you felt deeply held, deeply seen, deeply supported by the world. It's like a Oh, yeah, true. We don't only have to talk storyline through negative experience. And yet, of course, a lot of our work is helping people negotiate their reactions, their feeling states, what comes up, the lingering sensory motor processing instructions that are associated in their sense of time and place when having the state dependency that comes forward when we tell a story, particularly a story about negative things. So where do we place our attention as practitioners? We're at, you know, we're in a story with people and we're hoping that this is a back and forth kind of conversation and not just a monologue. We're hoping that there's some give and take between us and our clients so that they're not just kind of running away with their activation, which is very likely to come forward when you start going near your, you know, stuff. So given that, we want this back and forth going. The practitioner 
when we come in, we are leaning our attention somewhere. It's just going to be part of the influence that when we ask questions, when we reflect things, when we point our attention toward something inside the story, it matters what we point our attention toward. And there are lots of different maps, and you already have a lot of maps as kind of a student of this work. And I'll just name here a map that I carry in my head when I'm in this kind of situation. Taking away all of the different models through which we can go through the storyline, the time sequence, you know, we can start from T minus five and jump to T plus five and back to T minus four and over to T plus four. That's one model. There's the model of writing negative time minus five, finding the related associated activation inside of that, pausing the storyline, letting that deactivate, moving over to T minus four, up and down, up and down on your way through the story, which does a very nice job of keeping everything associated. Then there's running the story through as a kind of a race to the end. You know, what happened next? Oh, really? What happened next? Almost like we're going to peel the onion of the story by telling the entire sequence of the story through all the way to the end, processing a little deactivation back at the end there, then running through the story again, and then again and again and again, each time probably experiencing less activation in relationship to the story and having an easier time slowing the story down and processing the activation as we go along. Maybe there are other models. Those are at least three common ones. There's lots of different ways to take on the story event. And no matter which of those models we're following, where we place our attention is going to influence what our clients pay attention to. And so here's a little map. If we're inside of the storyline whereby I try to do things for my self-protection and things happen to me, that are beyond my control, gravity from a fall, assault from a critter or a person, robot aliens invading from Mars, something is happening to us and it's out of our control. We could think of from inside of that scenario, a storyline whereby something is happening to me and I'm trying to defend myself and inside of that, the reason I'm trying to defend myself is something is out of my control. In other words, the classic trauma story this happened to me, it was bad. When we're listening to that story, there are perhaps three different key elements to be on guard for about what our clients say about their experience. One is any experience that they do or try to do and are able to accomplish the things that they can do. Second, the things that they clearly want to do and are trying to do and perhaps haven't yet done yet. Three, things that they are not doing but are happening to them. These have different significance in terms of how much they reflect a person's empowerment, capacity, autonomy, success, and therefore where we place our attention is important so that we're leaning our support toward those things which are empowering, autonomous, 
you know, efficacious, yay. Things that are completely out of our control, they're not to be negated or neglected. They're not, it's not that we don't want to give them any kind of attention at all. It's just that of those three, we could see how the more passive attention, the more mm, moving the narrative along attention, the more reflective but not deepening kind of attention goes along well with things like, oh, that's when you were falling. Oh, that's when the robots put you in their ray beam and wouldn't let you move. Oh, that's when that thing was happening to you from some source that was completely outside of you. That's deserves one kind of reflection. Maybe in my language, that reflection is usually something along the lines of repeating back what I heard, giving it, you know, an authentic emotional response to it, and saying something like, and then what happened next? Trying to help the story move along, trying not to feed back too much attention to that place which is most overwhelming. The second, where there is the clear impulse, I wanted to turn, I wanted to run, I was trying to do this, I was looking for this. All of those, those all deserve a certain kind of notation, especially when we're trying to complete incomplete self-protective responses, which are mobilized, at least they're ready to be mobilized, into protective action. That's a that's an important category. This place where things wanted to happen, I wanted to do something, I tried to do something, an effort tried to be executed on behalf of my self-protection, that has potency and it has mobilization and it's an active response. We want to see what can be done to help bring our attention or bring that out more. You know, its completion, its ability to come forward in the session space and execute itself at least to a sufficiency where it can help to uncouple the entire sequence that's of associations that are related to this storyline, that's uniquely helpful. And it's more likely to breed success than drawing attention to that third category where the things that were out of my control were happening to me. That said, the first category where actions were taken and they were successful just by the dent of the fact that I did them, these are immediately helpful. You know, during an accident, during a fall, during an event, people do things. Oh, you, you, turn, you turned your head to look at the ground. Did you, did you see the ground? Oh, you saw the ground. These deserve our attention in a follow-up, immediate kind of way. Oh, that's when you saw the robots, and, and, that's, and you turned and ran they might easily turn back toward, yeah, but that's when the rabiums got you. And so you might, in fact, have to join with that and, and note it. Oh, right, that's when the rabiums got you. And at the same time, you, before that, you, you turned and ran? Did, what, do you mean, what do you mean you turned and ran? Like you, you, in your imagination or in your mind or you, you physically turned and ran? No, I physically turned and ran. You did? You turned and ran? You ran like how far? Like two steps, four steps? No, I got like uh, like 10 feet. You got 10 feet? You ran 10 feet? You saw the robots? You turned? You ran 10 feet? Because this action actually happened, although it might very well get tied and associated to the things that 
tried to happen, couldn't happen, or the things that were happening to me out of my control, we want to make special and immediate note to the things that we actually did. Those are, in some ways in here, the efficacy that's right at the, right at the top level. And we want, to, we want to just be right there to help reflect and draw attention to these successes. You strengthen the sense of self-protective capacity. And as you go along, you build up the blue, the resource, the I can part of the process while you travel through the story, highlighting things where a person could do these things, even if they're just tiny little things. Now here I'll put in my parentheses, right? You'll need to remember to measure out your reflections of these things. You can't just simply highlight it to the maximum degree every single time. Some people will require you to give it the minimum amount of reflection. Oh, that's when you turned and ran. And then the ray beams got you. Oh, right. You turned and ran. Then the ray beams got you. Okay, so then... Interesting, you turned and you ran. Okay, so so what happened next? There's every different kind of range that you might give in how much you reflect it back. Just to note that this category gets that reflection just about as immediately and unobtrusively as you can give it. Just, that happened. Whoa, you did that. Closing that parentheses. So there, a little map. When you're listening to a person's story, the kind of the traumatic storyline, and they're racing through, they're telling you all the things that happened. I was running. You were running. Oh my goodness, you were running. And then as you were running, what what was happening? Well, and then I ran and then I fell. Uh-huh, you fell. And then what happened next? Well, I, I mean, that's, that's when I, I fell and I grabbed my knee. You grabbed your knee. Uh-huh. Okay, so when you grabbed your knee, like, do you mean with both hands? You mean with one hand? What do you mean you grabbed your knee? Oh, you know, the pain was so amazing. Right. It was totally out of your control. Yeah, man, I was just like, I was just dying. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like totally painful. Man, and then it, and then what happened next? Well, it was like uh, pain was really bad. I was holding my knee. You were holding your knee. Uh-huh. And then what? Well, I was holding my knee and and then, you know, as you're telling me right now about how you were holding your knee and... And, you were, and the pain was kind of like moving through a little bit right there. You know, do you get a little sense of what that was like holding yourself there? Helping walk into the storyline by naming or reflecting back the parts of it where things more than less in that particular moment was the person being able to do the thing that they were doing helps, helps, helps. So those are three different categories. You hear something that a person could do, you can reflect it back, or at least that's my recommendation here. You could hear what they wanted to do. You might then come back at some point, or even in that moment, try to help elicit that self-protective response. Maybe just try to see it in the image channel. Maybe try to feel it through in the physicality. Perhaps have to do some priming exercises to get everything remobilized in order to do it. And very effective, very, very helpful if it can be done. If it can't be done, probably just giving it the appropriate amount of reflection to help it move forward and not reinforce its failure too much. And then there's this area where these are things that were just completely outside of me. I had nothing at all to do with those ray beams. 
they came from outer space. It was beyond my control. Those things, I don't know how to say this. We're just trying to move through them until we can hang with them. And so rather than continue to try to be exhaustive about something I can't be exhaustive about here, I will say those are three different places for you to think about how you're going to reflect your attention to your clients, which will obviously impact where they place their attention. Some things are more helpful than others. My best wishes along your journeying through these traumatic storylines, and I'm just sure you're going to help so many people feel so much better. Exhaustive? On a podcast? A podcast about somatic experiencing? You can't be exhaustive. No, no, no. We're not trying to be exhaustive. We're just trying to share some ideas. You know, from me to you, you mix it up in your own head and then pass it on to somebody else. And then we don't have to be exhaustive. We could stay curious. You know, curious about what's going to happen next. I'm Twig. I hope you'll listen again.